bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the Corinne Ninja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Ninja. This podcast is where I share people's incredible stories of transforming their health with a whole food plant-based vegan diet. Each week we have interviews with doctors, nutritionists and regular people who have transformed their health from the inside out. We're branching out of a little bit at the moment to do some more interviews with all different kinds of people who are just awesome to me. I think they're awesome and I hope that you'll enjoy their stories and hearing about their either their business journeys or their stories of hope and inspiration, which is what this podcast is all about. This week on the show, we're having another episode focused on raising vegan kids. And we have the wonderful Jen Van Ray, who is a local mum in my area. And she's a local vegan mum in my area. And she's also recently started her business as a life coach. And she is incredible at what she does. And she's actually helping, really helping so many women in my community to refocus on themselves and what they want, their their hopes and dreams and what they want to get out of their lives. And she's doing such incredible work helping us with helping the the women, myself included, to feel inspired and reignite our passions for meditation and yoga and mindfulness practices and uh, lots and lots and lots of self-love and compassion. And um, she's just a radiant beacon of light and hope. And I know that you'll all enjoy hearing from her today. We're mostly going to be talking about raising vegan kids in this episode, but we'll also be talking about Jen's work towards the end of the episode, and you can find out how to work with her in the show notes. Before we go, my program, Isolation Craving Support, begins on May 19th. So if you're just wanting a little bit of extra support, this program is for 30 days only, and it is pay what you can. So you can literally join in the link in the show notes and pay a dollar pay $5, pay $10, all the way up to whatever amount you would like to donate, which also helps anyone who perhaps is struggling financially right now just to help this program reach as many people as possible because I know a lot of people are struggling with cravings and weight gain during this time in isolation because, let's face it, we're at home, we're in the company of our fridge and pantry and it's a very stressful time. And when we are in a heightened states of stress, we tend to, we're, we're biologically wired to seek out the highest forms of calories in our environment, which if you've got peanut butter and dates or chips or biscuits or your baking heaps, all of those things are the highest forms of calories in your vicinity. And they're probably going to end up in your mouth, most likely, if you're someone who turns to food for comfort when you're in a state of stress or anxiety, or uncertainty, like what we are in at the moment. So please reach out to me if you have been struggling with cravings and with weight gain during this time. As I said, the program is 30 days. It's pay what you can. You can pay as little as a dollar. Uh, normally, I run this program for about $147. So anything within that bracket is totally fine for you to join. And we are going to be doing some group work. Uh, via Zoom during this program once a week, check-ins where we're going to be checking in, giving some support, giving some advice. We're going to be sending you out meal plans, shopping lists, daily motivation and inspiration and recipes and all those things going to be happening in the Facebook group. It is going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. So it's going to be a small group. I'm hoping to cap it probably only at around 10 or 15, just so we can get that time to go deep once a week together. So if you haven't signed up, sign up so that you can get yourself a space because it is starting really soon. And I hope to see you all there or some of you there, not all of you, that would be too many for the group, (laughs) but some of you. So if you're ready to come in and join and you want to learn more, I'm going to be talking about gut health, we'll be talking about stress, we'll be talking about we'll doing meditations, we'll be doing lots and lots of self-love things, I'll be doing some Reiki 
healing in the program as well. But yeah, we'll be doing a lots and lots of focusing on nutrition and nutrient density and so many things. So come and join and we're going to learn so many tools for you to take away with you at the end of the 30 days to add into your own life to help you through the next or any time really that you are faced with some stress that's causing you to overeat on all of the delicious things that are in your pantry and fridge. So yeah, book your spot. As I said, the link is in the show notes for you to join and please share the link with any of your family and friends who you think might be struggling. That would really help me out. And I would just love to meet some more people because I'm in isolation. So it's a great time to do that. So yeah, without further ado, here is Jen Van Ray. Hello, Jen, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So excited to be here. I'm actually so excited to finally be talking to you, sort of in person. I know. <laughs> I know this is the only way we can yeah, exactly. <laughs> in our busy lives. I have to invite you on the podcast so that we can <laughs> we can make friends. <laughs> uh, whatever we have to do. <laughs> whatever we have to do. And we are still, if you're listening to this in real time, so this will come, will come out probably middle of May, early to mid-May. And if you're listening in real time, we are still isolating here. So I guess Jenny's in the same boat where we're seeing very few people apart from our people that live in our four walls. So it's nice to see your face. It's nice to see your face too. (laughs) How have you been going with it all? Yeah, really good actually. Um, just before everything started getting really crazy, we uh, hired an au pair from America. So she was actually living in Sydney uh, at the time. So she flew down here really quickly. So I've been working on my business and having the time of my life in my room on my own. I've got a lock on my door so the kids can't run in. And um, yeah, I've actually been really enjoying it. So, I mean, it is still... Uh, it can still be really difficult to not see parents and my in-laws and the kids are really feeling that too, I think, but it's been a really nice time for me anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for the kids. Yeah, that's awesome. How do, you, how do you feel about having someone live in your house? It's really good actually. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's It sort of reminds me that we're not meant to do this alone, that we're meant to have that support from someone else. and. Yeah, before she moved in, my husband and I were talking about it for quite a while and uh, he was reminding me of housemates that I used to have when I was younger and how awful that was to live with them. Mind you, I was 20 and it was like three other guys and 20-year-old guys are pretty gross generally. So that was really hard, but it actually has been really nice because it's I'm so different now to what I was when I was 20, obviously, and it's been a really nice time for me to help understand that community sense a bit more, which is what I fight for. (laughs) It's what I do. I bring, it's it's my vision to bring community together. So it's been really nice and it's sort of allowed me time to help other people while she's helping me. So it's been really cool. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. And is she vegan or? Yeah, so that was actually when we were putting out the ad for an au pair, that was basically our only prerequisite was that they had to be vegan. I didn't see how it was going to work otherwise. Our house is really a safe place for our kids, so I couldn't imagine bringing animal products into our home. Even when we have parties and stuff, we don't allow any animal products in our house at all. So I think that would have just been really confusing for them and it would have been not hard for us to explain because they understand that other people eat that stuff, but it just didn't seem fair to them, actually. Yeah, and we wanted someone whose values aligned with ours as well. So it's worked out really well. Oh, that's so wonderful. Do they get along? Do the kids love it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's heaps of fun. Yeah, doing all craft stuff and things at the moment. Got some of that kinetic sand to keep them occupied because they're going a bit crazy inside. But, yeah, yeah, it's going well. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I guess we wanted to start at the start with your vegan story so how did that come about for you what what was what was the I guess the status quo going growing up like were you a meat and three veg family like my family and most families growing up or was it all were you 
already vegetarian or how how was that was it a big transition a big shift and what was what what was the catalyst for that shift yeah so when I was um gosh how old was I 14 or 15 I think I decided to go vegetarian and it was purely which is crazy when I think about it now and my journey since then but it was purely for animal cruelty reasons like I just didn't want to eat animals and then um when we were growing up it was very much meat and three veg so when I said I wanted to be vegetarian, it was a big shock for my parents and they didn't really know how to uh, support me through that. And then I ended up um, introducing fish back into my diet because I was like not getting enough nutrients, actually. I, I, was, I really wasn't doing it properly because I was basically just eating the veggies that my parents cooked, which was potato, you know, mashed potato, carrots and broccoli or something, right? So like, that was my dinner. So it just wasn't enough. And so then I, I would just have a little piece of fish with that. And then I think it was about a year down the track, I was so exhausted. I was so tired and um, my mum took me to the doctor and I had a blood test and my iron was really, really low, obviously because I wasn't eating enough. So the doctor said to me that I could, which is makes me really mad now, I could either eat meat or get iron infusion shots in my butt cheeks. I was like a 16-year-old girl. I was like, well, I'm not doing that. That sounds awful, right? So... Over that time that I was vegetarian, I copped so much crap from everyone around me. Like my boyfriend used to try and sneak meat into my food and like it was really awful. It was really awful and I wasn't supported. I didn't know any other vegetarians or vegans. Anyway, I ended up giving in and I went back to eating meat. So then I remember at the time saying like when I move out on my own, I will stop I will stop again. Like I'll stop eating it again. And then as it does, conditioning happened and I just pushed it to the back of my mind. And then what was it? What would it be now? Three and a half years ago, maybe a bit more, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and I started researching into um, alternative remedies, I suppose you would call them, like different medicines and stuff like that and um, sort of going away from the mainstream a bit. And the more I researched, the more I was starting to find what could be causing the high rates of breast cancer. And it's sort of in a roundabout way kept linking back to dairy. So we'd already had a bit of a, an issue with dairy because um, in that time I'd had my first son, who's now four, nearly four and a half, and he was breastfed, but I was still drinking milk then. And then when he went on to formula, because he was biting me so much when he was eight months old, he went onto formula and he's, he'd always had eczema and his eczema flared up so badly. It was like all over his back. He was just covered in it, the poor little thing. And so it was around the same time that I was researching stuff about breast cancer that I was also researching stuff about eczema. And dairy seemed to be the culprit for a lot of people's eczema problems. So we cut the dairy when he was one. He completely cut it and he was already quite intolerant to egg. So once we cut the dairy... His eczema cleared up and it hasn't been a problem since. It was in a matter of probably a month and it was completely gone. Then when I started digging into the cancer causes that most people don't really hear about or talk about and dairy kept coming up, I was like, it was like the cogs were just turning. <laughs> was, everything was just ticking over. I was like, wow, why are we putting this in our bodies? It's crazy. So then I started watching documentaries like Forks Over Knives and Cowspiracy and all the stuff on Netflix and my husband was watching it too. And then we got to a point that I we were sitting down in, eating dinner one night and we were already like not really having much dairy, not having eggs, um, and we had been reducing our meat a little bit. Like I'd been purposely putting less bits in, you know, and then I said to my husband, um, I think we need to reduce our meat intake and our like just our animal product intake in general. And he was like, oh, how much? And I was like, uh, completely. Like I don't think we should be eating this at all. And he, he goes, oh, yeah, okay. I was like, we, I know we need to research this more, but I've been researching a lot, a lot, and it's just like staring me in the face. So we basically stopped eating meat the next day and haven't touched it since. And then 
dairy was like. How was that for him? Because for men, it's so entrenched in the masculine culture of what masculinity yeah. is that you know you hunt and kill and I know that people don't still think about the hunter but there is mm-hmm. this and I know that that's a generalization but there is such a entwined messaging around meat eating and masculinity yeah for sure and I think that if it had been six months earlier it would have been a bit of a problem for him but he'd already been doing a bit of the research and watching the documentaries and he's a, a massive information gatherer anyway so he would have already been talking to people about it and and also he just doesn't really care what anyone else thinks. So it was really good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we pretty much stopped eating meat straight away. From what I remember, I don't think we ever touched it again after that night. Dairy was a bit of a slower process because it's in chocolate. So when it was like in a cake or something that someone made for us because we were just transitioning over, we would keep eating it if it was a birthday cake or something. I think a lot of people do that. I spoke to a woman just recently and she was saying that they went vegan in December, but then Easter came and they got given all these Easter eggs and, you know, yeah, things mm. happen and you're just like, oh, it's already here in my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty well. much. Yeah, I think we were just we were just a bit worried about how everyone would take it at the start mm. because it's such a massive mm. change for people. Like my parents, for example, who have been the meat and three veg for so long, and it's what their parents did, they didn't know how to cook any other way. And it's relearning everything that you already think you know. It's a massive shift. So we've basically just taken all our own food everywhere for the last three and a half years. <laughs> it's just easier that way. Yeah, so that's basically how that's all that's all gone down, and it's been amazing. And how long did it take it to, to for you to ditch dairy in the end? I think it was about a month and then... Yeah, that was it. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, because it's in everything, that there was heaps of times that we accidentally had it. And we were like, why is it even in that thing? Like, you know, I know. pasta sauce or something. Yeah. My brother, I remember, like Stephen, he, he's vegan. <laughs> in inverted, I love you, baby, if you ever listen. He doesn't listen, so it's fine. But, you know, he will eat stuff. If people give him stuff, like if his husband gets to a restaurant, orders a non-vegan food and says, have a try – Stephen will still try it yeah. just so he can join in on that. Yes, it's delicious or whatever, you know. He's, yeah. But he, he, he won't buy things himself intentionally if he knows. But then he's terrible, like as far as leather couch, he's not like he would leather couches and cushions and feathers and dunas with feathers and he's still hopeless at all of that side oh. of it. We're different very varying degrees of vegan. <laughs> I'm a, he would say I'm a much more annoying level. <laughs> I think he's a bit lax. Yeah. But um <laughs> but he he does I guess when the term in the term is do what you what you can to what is it what is the meat definition? I think it's like as much as you can to eliminate your exploitation of suffering animals. He's, it is as much as he can. Yeah. <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing as much as he personally can at the moment. So yeah. I guess that's fine. But he, like, he'll feed my kids. I, mean, I think he's stopped now, but I, they go to his house and I'm like, just Uncle Stephen makes porridge with powdered coconut milk, mum. And I was like, what is that? I went to his house and just read the back and it's full of dairy milk. Oh, no. <laughs> He thought he was feeding them coconut, making it all rich and creamy with coconut milk, but it's actually full of real milk. So you you would never think that there was milk in coconut milk. No, you wouldn't think so. So that's totally not his fault. And it's even just like food colourings and additives and stuff like that that aren't vegan that you would just never eat. wine and beer and things. Like he doesn't look at wine and beer. He just drinks it. You know, he would never think about crushed beetles (laughs) And, and Sheep's in bladders or whatever they put in yeah. fish, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so when you made that switch, because I know for me, there's a lot of people around me being like, you know, are you sure your kids are going to be fine? Like, are your kids going to be fine? How is that for you with concerns from well-meaning loved ones about the health of your kids and their brain development and their bone development? And my family members would send me things about my head, my kids' heads getting deformed and maybe not them, but their kids' heads would be deformed, Mm. (laughs) jaws. And it is something that you hear lots of different mixed messages about. What was your experience with that? I think that it really... There was only a few people that 
actually said something to me and I think it's got a lot to do with me being quite sure of myself and I don't really take anyone's rubbish so I think a lot of people were scared to confront me about it (laughs) but there has been some people that have and I usually just get the oh so does that mean your kids are vegan too like yeah of course they are like I wouldn't feed them animal products if I'm not eating them because I've got so many reasons to not do it so I wouldn't then feed them and I think I've had a few people like ask about protein and iron and yeah I just rattled off a heap of stuff back at them like from forks over knives and and then I'm like oh yeah and I'll write down the documentary so you can watch them so you know that my kids are perfectly fine. I also uh, when I was pregnant with Spence who's just over two now the doctor wanted me to take iron tablets even though my iron levels have been perfect and like all of my blood levels were ridiculously good so they wanted me to uh, the midwife wanted me to take iron tablets and I said to her, but I don't have low iron. And she said, yeah, but because you're vegan, like, you know, that can be a problem and um, it's just better to take them anyway. So I would really like you to. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen because when you take iron supplements, it's harder to go to the toilet and blah, blah, blah. And I don't need them. You know, like there's no, there's no reason for this. And she kept pushing and pushing. And I said to her, do you know that when I was – eating meat in my last pregnancy, my iron levels were really low and I had to take iron tablets and I had to take heartburn stuff and I was having leg cramps and couldn't sleep and all this other stuff and I put on 30 kilos. Second pregnancy, fully vegan, my levels were all perfect. I never took any of those um, vitamins, what do they call them, prenatal vitamins or whatever they are. I didn't take those. I just kept in touch with my doctor And he was like, yep, perfectly fine what you're doing. It's all good. I got absolutely everything I needed from the food that I was consuming. And that was even through morning sickness. So there was a bit of pressure there with with that. And we do get a bit of, um, not that we've been going to them because of what's been happening in the world, but with the maternal child health nurse appointments with the kids, they often will push a fair bit to find out what the kids are eating. And it'll be like, oh, so are they eating tofu? I'm like, ah, is that the only protein you know? (laughs) Not from animals. I can't remember what it was last time, but the health nurse, I think it might have been Spencer's appointment, and she was really pushing, like really pushing about them having supplements and all this stuff. And I finally snapped. Usually I'm quite calm with them. But I said to her, you know what, we get this every time we come here. My kids are perfectly healthy, which you can see. They're hitting all their milestones. They're doing everything that they should be doing at this age. They are perfectly healthy. So what exactly do you want from me here? Because they're never going to eat meat. <laughs> Not in, under my roof anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what exactly do you want here? Because I've done all the research. I know all the things about this. I haven't just gone in blindly. I think a lot of people think that perhaps that we're just bleeding hearts, Mm. you know, that we're just bleeding hearts and we're like so focused on the animal cruelty to the deficit of, or or that we're mentally ill bleeding hearts (laughs) to the the deficit. And like I'm not saying, I'm not putting my hands up as not being mentally ill, but I mean... It's always there, <laughs> but I'm sorry to be make, to make, be flipping about that. If you're listening and you're like, I'm significantly mentally unwell, and she's making it. I laugh. I have a nervous laugh for black humor, black horrible stuff. Like I laugh about my brother dying. I laugh about getting multiple sclerosis. It's just an awkward laugh that I've formulated in my life. So please, I don't think mental illness is a joke. This laugh is the nervous tick from lots and lots and lots of dark, heavy shit happening in my life, and so now I. I laugh. I laugh because it's laugh or cry and that's kind of... Oh, I get that. I've got the same thing. (laughs) When I'm talking about mental health problems, I have had, you know, clinical depression and clinical anxiety and it's been a long, long process and I don't think it's a joke because it's awful, but I just am laughing because I laugh or cry about your... The ups and downs when you're in isolation and you're... You're just up and down about the state of the world and the future of your children's lives and la 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 and yep. it's a bit of it's a bit of a ride. <laughs> it's a bit of a ride. I have those moments with my kids every day, laugh or cry. <laughs> laugh or cry. That's it. 
laugh exactly. or cry. But I do think that those people, like maternal child health nurses and doctors, back to that, I think that perhaps they think that because many people do go into it, they see live trade video on their Facebook feed and they go, I'm never eating animals again, but they don't actually look into how to – and you see this over and over again when you see people go f- – make those videos about why they're no longer vegan. They go vegan because they have this bleeding heart moment for an animal or for the cause or they've watched some bikini Instagram people be raw vegan for – they've watched four hours of it in a YouTube deep dive one night and they've gone bananas only for a month and then they find that they're weak and their hair falls out and they lose heaps of weight or they gain heaps of weight and so they go back to eating meat because they don't feel good and they don't have enough protein and they're fully anemic and blah, blah, blah. Those people haven't done enough research and so I understand why some people think that everyone is tarred with that brush with people who jump on veganism without actually looking at what our bodies need in regards to nutrition to stay healthy and to be optimally healthy but it is difficult when you have when you're hearing it over and over again and you're like I've really thought this through I'm a research-minded person I've read books I've listened to doctors I know all the things our bodies need and my children's bodies need and I know that there's more sources of protein than just tofu (laughs) exactly It can be a bit exhausting, but I do see that perhaps they're just catering to the lowest common denominator. I remember when I was doing social work degree and they were giving us like a chat about what's appropriate clothing for like our placements years and years ago. And they were were saying things like, you know, don't wear a low cut, like a boobs showing dress and don't wear a mini skirt. And and I was thinking like, who is wearing them? (laughs) Who is going to their hospital placement with like their whole boobs hanging out and like half their butt cheeks? But obviously someone has enough. (laughs) There's a reason there's that rule now. (laughs) For for them to say, don't just feed your kids lettuce. You know, you need to feed them more than just lettuce. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that it does all come back to conditioning that it really hasn't been that long that we've had the amazing access of social media and we can share information easily. So even back when I went vegetarian when I was 15, there was still a massive stigma around it, even more so than there is now, in that I would be unhealthy, that I could never get enough nutrients, that we need to eat animals. It was There's still a lot of that conditioning around. And I think that when I was talking to someone about it the other day, that I think there's there's a lot of people around now that know that their their animal welfare is an absolute joke, like it's disgusting and the animals are not being treated properly because they can't be in that business. (laughs) Well, on that scale, they just can't be. They just just can't be. be on that scale. Exactly. And I think people know that, but they still have in their mind that they need the nutrients from animal products. And... I really think when, um, what was that one that came out? What the Health came out and people started watching that and then they started to understand that they could survive and thrive without it. That's when they can step back and go, whoa, look what's happening to these animals. But when they think that they need to eat it to be healthy and to look after themselves, they can disconnect from the cruelty and they can disconnect from the environmental issues because it's something that we apparently need have to do yeah yeah absolutely I was really secretly hoping well not secretly if you live in my house you've heard me talk about it but I mean (laughs) secretly hoping that this coronavirus outbreak would help people make that connection like a novel virus I know that we don't tend to eat bats in Australia but a virus that comes from animal we've had so many novel viruses in the last you know 20 years SARS you know swine flu, mad cow disease, bird flu, I think I think even Zika. There's been several, several, you know, several pandemic, like, you know, almost pandemics caused by animal agriculture and the conditions animals are in that we eat. 
and and the diseases that are promoted and spread from animals to humans because we are animals. Yeah. <laughs> it just blows my mind that no one makes this connection. Like it can't spread from between from animals to humans. You're like, we are just a different species of animals. <laughs> exactly. Hello. Exactly <laughs> of course right. they can. Yeah. <laughs> because we are. But no one's kind of still not being talked about enough that, you know, if we want less pandemics, then eat less animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's maybe if people aren't quite making that connection, it's helping in another way anyway, because people are realizing that they need to grow their own food. Yes, yeah, true. There's been nurseries true, that true. are selling out of seedlings and all this stuff because people are like, what do we do if we can't get to the supermarket? Huh? How does that work? Oh, that's right. I have a garden. I can build veggie patches. So it is kind of in a roundabout sort of way. It's encouraging people to eat more plants. More veggies. Yeah. I know, which is great. And I, I'm so excited about that. And I, when I read about them for selling out of seedlings, I was just like, oh, wow, how, how wonderful if more people are growing plants at home. Because yes. it just feels nice. And, and I guess to touch on more of the work that you're doing now, like for my mental health, this isolation – I have spent so much time in my garden and I always wanted to and it's on my to-do list to spend more time in my garden, but it just gets caught up in the busyness of life and so I don't actually make that time. And I think many, many, many people are realising that spending time in their gardens is really, really therapeutic and awesome for our mental health and then all, and then that spills out into our children and into our parenting and into our lives in general. Yeah, and quite often too, the things that we're growing, we won't eat that much of that one thing. So then it's like, oh, who can I give this to? Who can I share this with? Oh, what are you growing? We can do some swapping. There's heaps of, I don't know if you're part of the the local Buy Nothing page, but you can just give things away. So we had a lady just get some lemons off our tree the other day and so nice. It's how, as I said, it's how we're meant to be living. We're meant to be supporting each other in a community. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's so nice. I love that Buy Nothing page. And if you are wherever you are in the world and there is no Buy Nothing Facebook page, maybe today's the day that you can start your own Buy Nothing Facebook page for your community and give stuff away. I know I have limes limes coming, not just on their way to being awesome, so I'm going to definitely be putting them up because I always have way too many limes under my lime tree. If you need some now, our tree's doing really well now. So you can come and grab some of ours while yours are coming up. <laughs> so how did your baby take it or was he too young to really notice any, any difference in your making the change? Because I, I went vegan when Iggy was still not having solids. Mm, yeah, I don't think he noticed any different. He was only one. So yeah, okay. He hadn't really had that much anyway. And now he's like the most compassionate little vegan dude ever. It's awesome. He's so sweet. <laughs> he said to me the other day, he said, oh, what, sharks eat fish, don't they? And I said, yeah, they do. And he goes, well, maybe we could go to the ocean and put some um, some salad in the water and the sharks could eat that so then they won't have to eat the fish anymore. <laughs> he's so sweet. Bless. Yeah, and then another Bless. one was um, we were walking along and he said, oh, Maybe we could get a koala. And I said, Oh, babe, we don't we don't keep koalas, like they live in the trees. And he said, No, they'd be like part of our family, like our dogs are. <laughs> I was just like, Oh my gosh, you're so amazing. <laughs> Cause like, oh that's right, because I said to him, we we wouldn't keep a koala as a pet. <laughs> and then he's like, No, it wouldn't be a pet. Like her family. It was so cute. Oh, that is so sweet. And we have had times over the years, like at birthday parties and stuff, when he's, I could tell that he's wanted what everybody else is having. So there was, um, I think it was last year, one of his little friends had a party and had a piñata and it was full of chocolate and lollies and, and he came up to me and asked me if it was vegan and I said it wasn't. And our friends were amazing. They got him a little succulent plant to take home and care for because he didn't get what everybody else had. It was really beautiful. And then on the way home I said to him, um, like, do you want to eat that? Like, is that something that you would like to eat? And he said, no, never. Because we, we just explained to him, he's a super logical kid too, so we just explained to him in really simple terms what was in it and he made the choice that he didn't want to have it. So 
It's really awesome. It's really awesome. And they're just like they're giant big tree children and they just have so much energy and they're just they don't stop growing and they don't stop eating and they're just amazing. They're awesome. <laughs> I have met your children and they are really, really they are they both do look really strong as well. Really strong and healthy and tall. Yeah. Really tall babies. Yeah, that could be the Dutch genes too, though. <laughs> they came out pretty big. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so your family with the kids, because I know my parents were a little bit tricky, and I, I often mention here that for me, because I have multiple sclerosis and that this transition began as a way of mitigating that, I guess, and that's the right way of using that word, but of... I'm not sure, but of of managing my multiple sclerosis, and they noticed that how much I improved because I was basically just in bed and miserable and unhappy with MS for my twenties, and then now I'm you know running every day and really healthy. So they were definitely supportive of that, and they knew that it was a risk for my children to get MS as well, and that this was the best way I could prevent them from being diagnosed in the future and make sure that they had the best chance. So they were. It was easy to get my parents on board, but I, I feel like if I didn't have the MS, that my parent, me just telling my parents who are meat, you know, meat, dairy, meat and free veg parents, farmers, that I was just going vegan because I cared about the animals, that they probably would have had a much harder time. They would have just thought it was some crazy out there fad that I was taking on. Like, and they would have wanted to, like, if I were babysitting, I would have been concerned that they would sneak me my kids some some non-vegan food just like don't tell your mum but here's some cabri koala you know or something (laughs) not to not really to be not respecting me they wouldn't even think of that they just think that my crazy beliefs were depriving my child and that they'd treat them so if you have any instance like that in your family where you're like you go they go to their grandparents and their grandparents are like look your mum's obviously jumped the shark and she's now (laughs) Not eating animals, but I'll give you this or you think that they're just totally on board. I don't know if they're totally on board. They, both my boys go to my in-laws, well, when they can, not when all this is going on, but they go there every Wednesday. So they go there once a week for the day. It's actually really good because my husband's brother and his wife and kids are vegan as well. Oh, wow. And they, they sort of changed around the same time as us. So maybe a little bit later or probably six months later or something. So that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And his mum's really awesome with finding different recipes and catering for everyone. So that's really nice. And we've just given her some really simple ideas of what she can give them. It doesn't have to be anything fancy and um, I don't want to distress about it. So I was like, just give them avocado on toast or something. Like it's, it's so easy. It doesn't have to be a big cooked lunch or anything like that. Just keep it as simple as you want. Or, you know, crackers and hummus or whatever. My kids will pretty much choose fruit over everything else. Everything else. I was going to ask, what does a typical day of food look like for your kids? So we have uh, overnight oats, like just soaked oats in some homemade almond milk with coconut yogurt and banana and some cashew butter. What else do they have? If we have some berries or sultanas or something, we'll pop them on top. That's their breakfast. Gosh, they would just literally eat all day. How long have you got? Because <laughs> just give me the three meals. <laughs> just give me the three meals and a snack and, and one snack. Ah, yeah, cool. So lunches are usually leftovers. So our dinners range from like uh, butter bowls, baked potatoes, pasta. Pesto pasta is a really good one for us because then I like put even more little finely chopped bits of kale and stuff in it. So they're just getting a massive greens hit. And I add hemp seeds to everything. I add hummus to everything. I add nut butters to everything. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Just Same. I add hummus to everything. Ranjit cracks. It's like, this does not need hummus. It doesn't belong in this. is an Asian dish. It does not have hummus. I'm like, everything has hummus, babe. Everything. Every meal. Everything has hummus. Yeah. Yeah, they love smoothies too. So we do berry smoothies and put spinach and stuff through that. Yeah, hummus and crackers is a massive one. They love that. They they literally would eat anything. My four-year-old at the moment, he's, I'm not even kidding you, if you asked him what his favourite food is, he would say kale. He would just eat kale. Like, where, what is this? <laughs> just loves it. 
so yeah, we do big salads and stuff for dinner. Actually, I saw your post a while ago how you just put a big salad bowl with every dinner of all the raw veggies. So I've just started doing that. So no matter what we have, we basically every night just do a big salad as well with sauerkraut and everything. It's beautiful. It's so good. And the thing is, when I, it was so hard for me to start adding salads, I have to admit, because I, when I was a kid, I would have died at the thought of having to have salad every dinner because I just wanted to eat, I don't know, satay, chicken, mm. rice out of a jar, you know, and if salad was just, I was just so opposed to veg- vegetables pretty heavily, yeah. apart from like raw carrot as a child. And I thought my kids would be the same because they're my kids, but I put the, you just put rainbows of food on the table and then my kids are just so fine mm-hmm. eating a salad. I, it was my own belief, but my belief was because my microbiome as a child was just lollies. Bad bacteria from lollies and meat and dairy in yeah. cheese singles that are made out of. I don't know what cheese singles are made out of to this day. What are they? I don't think we want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. But, you know, of course my taste buds said vegetables were disgusting because they were so high salt, sugar, fatted out from animal products and processed foods. Vegetables were the last things I wanted to consume. But our kids who've grown up with plant-based eating, they just don't have the same phobias and dislikes and things about food that I had growing up. And a lot of my friends whose kids eat animal products have, but they're they're super fussy about certain vegetables or broccoli Mm. or whatever. And my kids, broccoli is like their first thing they eat on their plate. Yeah, for sure. We put broccoli with pretty much everything as well. Yeah. And I, I really feel like I actually consider Spencer to be a picky kid. But actually, that's just to my standards because Hudson eats everything. So when other people watch my kids eat, they're like, whoa, how did you do this? I'm like, I just kept giving them good food and they just ate it. It is that thing that they're not going to starve themselves. They will eat eventually. And I've never had to be at that point that they've completely missed like three meals in a row or something because they wouldn't eat. They might eat a little bit of something and then get over it and not want to eat it. It's like, all right, cool, maybe they're just not hungry. I'm not going to then give them something else to fill them up. Because if they're hungry, they'll, they will eat. So we just keep serving up good food and they eat it. It's, it's actually quite simple when you think about it. <laughs> I know. It's bizarre that we think it has to be, oh, they're not eating, so let's fill them up with, you know, some candy cereal or some, you know, processed, like a baked good that we've made that's just full of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I remember, and eggs and dairy. I remember when it was probably a couple of years ago, Huddy was two or something, two and a half maybe, and he was refusing to eat his breakfast. He was just going through this stage and I was like, all right, cool. And at first I was getting really annoyed and I was like, in my mind, I'm like, you've got to eat this healthy food, you know. So I just kept trying to give him this thing. And then I was like, what do you want to eat? What do you want for breakfast? And he was like, banana and dates. And I was like, okay, cool. Because it suddenly hit me that he didn't know any unhealthy food. <laughs> so I was like, you can actually eat anything that you want from in our pantry or fridge, anything. And so that's what he chose. So for three days straight, he ate banana and dates for breakfast and then went back to his other breakfast of his oats and stuff. Yeah. We make it so complicated Uh, in our heads, don't we? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, if we're just teaching them, if they're surrounded by the good foods all the time and we're also eating the good foods with them. Yeah. I think that family meals, a lot of people don't have family meals and then they think, why are my kids so fussy? But their kids eat separately at a different time as well. I'm not saying that it's good or bad, but I do think that's part of the thing I've noticed with kids who are particularly fussy is they don't actually see their parents eat vegetables. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't see their parents eat dinner. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, we've had a thing lately that Paddy takes a really long time to eat. <laughs> really oh my long gosh, time. Same with my kids. So we just start him a little bit earlier now, and then we join them for dinner. But I mean, he's already in the good habits of eating the good food, so it's not as bad. But I had that in my mind for ages too. I'm like, I've got to eat with them. We've got to have family meals because they do exactly. They mirror us. They do exactly what we're doing. Mm-mm-mm. It is tricky, and when they're super long eaters, like it's mm-hmm. just like my kid. My kids are super slow, and Iggy, like he, speaking of fussy, for us he's the fussy one. Well, they're both fussy with different things. But Iggy yeah. doesn't like potato, which blows <gasps> my mind. What? What is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? You're not my child. <laughs> I don't like potato. 
and so there's so many things you want to make with potato because it's just so awesome. Yeah. You know, like last night I made chips like a Mexican with mm-hmm. like beans, chip, like chips in the oven, beans, and then um, yo- natural yogurt. And yeah, yeah, we made this big salad and it was awesome. And I was like, this is so yum. And he's just like looking at his chips like they're Satan's food. <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Why? Every time you make a stew or a curry, he just lick. You eat the potatoes, I'll eat everything else. And I'm just, who are you? What's wrong with you? But, I mean, he takes ages because he's looking at his potatoes like they're the demons from hell. (laughs) (laughs) Every every day. We don't always give them to him. We try to make different things that he likes. Mm. But he preferred pasta. He preferred pasta, stir fries, pasta. He doesn't like the potato meals that I like. What about sweet potato? Barely. Barely. What? He like he doesn't mind when I make them thinly sliced oven baked chips, you know, yeah, like, like a crisp, and doesn't mind if like if we bought if we somehow he was lucky enough to find me on a day where we end up getting like if we're on a holiday and he gets hot chips from like a surf club or somewhere yeah. because there's nothing else on the menu that's vegan. <laughs> like he'll be happy with them, yeah. But they're the only they always say, "Can you put us? I, I want the soaked chips, mum." <laughs> I'm like, we ne- we don't. I'm never making them for you. The soaked chips. The soaked chips. Sounds disgusting. The soaked chips, mum. I'm like, no. The boiled chips. I'm like, no, there's no such thing as boiled chips. There's just deep fried chips. There's a lot of oil. (laughs) I'm not making those for you. But they're the ones he likes. But, yeah, long dinners are are tricky. And long breakfast for school days, my kids would both be slow eaters. Yeah. I was when I was a kid too. So, yeah. Yeah, I was too. Until everything's cold and sad, and you hate touching it. Yeah, like cold much. mashed potato, <laughs> lumpy cold oh. mashed potato. Those memories are still etched yeah. in my soul. In my soul, I've been trying to remember why I took so long to eat my food. Like, what was the reason for? I can't remember why. I don't know why I took that long. I think I was just distracted. You know, I was just like, oh, I'd rather just talk to someone, or I don't know. I'm not sure. I think partly because I just didn't like. Boiled peas, carrots, and <laughs> potato. I just didn't like them. So I was just looking at yeah. them. Oh my gosh! If I if I daydream, maybe they will disappear off my plate. <laughs> I think I didn't like them. And but for my kids, I think it's part not not so much just not liking, but I think it's. But for Iggy, says he's just day. He's just daydreaming. He's just talking and daydreaming. Mm. Yeah, which is awesome, actually, isn't it? <laughs> He's just chatting and daydreaming, but geez, it takes ages. <laughs> I agree. We all, I'm always at the end of the dinner going, if you want to play ninjas, yeah. come on, chop chop. So your life now, because your life's changed a fair bit since you went vegan, and most guests, people that come on this show, their lives actually really transform as a result. And in so many different ways, we've had people that became, you know, ultra marathon runners, people who've cycled up, done triathlons up sides of active volcanoes, people who have run 366 consecutive marathons around Australia at age 60 after breast cancer. We've had people who've been iron men and women and people who've gone just to have complete career changes. One guy who worked in animal agriculture, a barbecue chef who went from being an expert in grilling dead animal flesh to being a plant-based chef and just total pivots, being like plant-based farmers from being pig farmers. And, yeah, but your life has changed a fair bit too. Yeah, I feel like a real underachiever now after all that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Jen, you have to have done all those things to be deemed successful. (laughs) And I'm erasing this interview. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. But yes, it has. It has changed a lot. So um, before I got pregnant, I was working at my husband's nursery. Well, also my nursery. And then, yeah, sort of went on maternity leave from there with no intention of going back. So I basically threw myself into being a mum for the past four years. And um, that was often at the expense of myself and what I needed. And then I I suppose actually it has a lot to do with going vegan because I – I suppose I originally did it for health reasons and then I started to learn more about the environmental impact and then the animal cruelty is just like what, like completely cemented it for me after I'd watched those like awful documentaries. But the environmental thing is such a massive thing for me now too and I've done so much work on 
reducing our waste in our home and educating other people on it. And it's really just changed the way I look at the world. And as I was mentioned before about building community, that's a massive thing for me too now in that we're not going to be able to do this alone. One person can't do this. One person can't change the world. They've got to impact other people so we can all work together towards the the dream, the big goal, like the sustainability of the planet and the human race. And, um, yeah, so that's sort of what I really focus on now. And a sidestep from that is helping women get out of that, I want to say rut, but it feels like that's really not enough of a word, that, like, mental space of being the mum and having to be everything for everybody else and not look after themselves and not go out and get what they want and what they deserve. So last year I... I'd had this course in the back of my mind for a really long time. I met this phenomenal woman and she was telling me about what she did and I said to her, yes, one day I will do that. And then she sent me how much it was and I was like, I don't have that money. (laughs) I couldn't possibly spend that money on myself. So I put it off for about four years. And then I got to the point that I said to my husband that I was like, if I don't go and do this now, it's going to be another couple of years before I can even consider it. So I went and did it. So it was my um, NLP course neuro-linguistic programming and it was absolutely amazing and it really as I was saying like it was this part of me that I'd suppressed for so long and I knew that I always knew that I was that there was more to me and as I said to someone the other day I knew there was more to me and I hoped there was more for me so I I knew that I wasn't built for this rat race or built for this mainstream life that I was always a little bit different and I often referred myself as just being really weird. So then I found my tribe of people in my NLP course and it's just been the most amazing thing that I've done in my life, actually, not besides having my kids, I suppose, but it's led me down this path of mental health and emotional health and helping women and helping men and working with people in relationships and it's also I really feel like as well it's given me the tools to communicate my views on veganism a lot better than I could have before. So before I did this, I was holding a lot onto a lot of anger in my body from past events and that would kind of be my fallback that I would get like aggressive and I'd be like, yeah, I love a debate and then I'd like really sort of try and overpower to get my point across, which obviously doesn't work. It's not really the right way to speak to people. It's not respectful. So yeah, knowing what I know now, my mind works differently and I can get my point across in a different way. So as I was saying before, that I don't feel like people are, that there's a certain percentage of the population that will see the animal cruelty side of things and they'll, that will be enough to make them change. But then there's a lot of people that are all about them, about themselves. Like they want to look after themselves first. So it takes that education around the health side of veganism and plant-based lifestyle it takes that education to help them see that there's another way so I feel like that's really helped that has really helped me doing my NLP course to just think about things differently and to think about things with compassion and that people aren't purposely doing the wrong thing and purposely eating animals to hurt them they just don't understand like they're just doing the best that they can with the information that they have So it's up to people like us to give them new information so they can make different choices. If that all makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. So I was saying to you before, like it all ties in in my mind. It's a really long conversation. (laughs) Yes. Well, there's been, we've had a a few guests on the show similar and it's really interesting when you talk because there's been, um, I'm just top of my head, I think about Claire Mann and Dr. Ash Nayati and they're both, really awesome at what you're talking about not like talking about how like there's the anger you can go you can default to the anger and it's really easy because it is a boundary being crossed when for vegans when someone eats an animal it is a like almost a town a tangible boundary that's being crossed in relation to the cruelty to those the unnecessary cruelty to those animals but both of them are really good at what you're what you're talking about about talking about it that through the lens of compassion and understanding you can you can touch and affect more people and the way that they deliver their messaging is um educational without judgment and without shame and without 
unnecessary, um, yeah, anger and... And the finger pointing too. Aggression. Like you're doing the wrong thing and I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Like that's... Yeah. Yeah. People are instantly going to get defensive about that and it's not it's not that black and white. It's just not. No. Like as it, it all comes back to that conditioning that we've grown up with and it's been going on for generations and we just need to approach it in a different way and it is having that understanding for people yeah absolutely and because there are places where there are food deserts like across the united states and parts of the world where there are just very little access to fresh produce and and whole plant foods uh, and so it's it can be difficult diff- and that's what you know for me this podcast helps because there's so many very diff- people from all different walks of life who've lived in all different parts of the united states and australia who who are showing you that it is possible even if you do live in parts of the world where it might be deemed impossible, such as parts where they just are mostly eating meats or they're mostly eating processed foods or they don't have that much easy access to whole plant foods, that it is possible. But it is about people like yourself going out there and helping to people to relearn and relearn how to navigate this in a whole new way with a whole new lens. Yeah, and it is going back to that support for other people as well, which is where the community comes in. If people are swapping their food and that sort of stuff, it's actually making it more accessible and making it cheaper to get organic produce because we're literally growing it ourselves and sharing it. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, another thing I'm doing, I don't know if I've actually told you this or maybe I have. I think we've spoken about it, that I'm um, going to open a zero waste store in Yes, you did tell me. Obviously it's on hold at the moment because we're basically not allowed out. Yeah, so that will be happening in the next few months, hopefully. So it'll be um, a beautiful little vegan cafe, yoga studio, and we can run some workshops and things out of there. So it's it's basically just going to be a little hub for the community to come together and share ideas. We'll do cooking classes and all sorts of stuff. So it's really exciting. I'm so excited for this. So Mombok, anyone who's in the Dandenong Ranges and listening, it's just for us. <laughs> <laughs> It's just for us. I'm sure there's people listening who are part part of Plant Powered Melbourne and Plant Powered Ballarat, and it's a place that you can all go for a trip to the Dandenong Ranges and have a, a trek into your new Jen, Jen's new cafe. Oh, heal, what what is it? It's a healing space. What else is it? It's a, is it a store. It's it's a store. So it'll be all zero waste stuff, um, like all your grains and seeds and nuts and all that sort of thing. So there'll be like a bit of a shop down the side with all of that and, you know, like keep cups and all that kind of zero wasty stuff. And then there'll be a yoga studio at the back where we'll run workshops out of as well. And I'll do my life coaching out of there. There's a little room set up and we'll have a, a cafe at the front and it's got a nice little outdoor area. So there'll be a kid's enclosed fenced in area so mums can have coffees and really good. It's going to be everything. <laughs> I am so excited for this. <laughs> Me too. This is so exciting. So where can people, in the meantime, where can people follow you or find you to work with you or do life coaching with you or, yeah, follow you online or join a group? You, you, you run a few groups or just one group? At the moment it's only one. So it's called Living Plant-Based and Zero Waste, which is on Facebook. Um, I do have an Instagram and I don't know what I need to do to share that with you because I'm not the best at Instagram. Me neither. <laughs> I don't know all the links But I'll find out and I'll put it in the show notes, everyone. So if you're listening, it'll be in the show notes. I'll find yeah. it. Otherwise, is it just, just your name? on Facebook. Is Instagram just your name? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Jen Van Ray, everyone. I will link to that on the show notes. And... Jen, finally, lastly, what would be your top three tips for anyone wanting to raise their kids vegan? Oh, good question. Always trust yourself. Always trust yourself because other people are always going to have something to say no matter what you do. There'll always be something, someone out there that doesn't like something you're doing. So trust yourself because we know as parents, just trust your gut because you know. Keep at it because kids can be picky. Just keep giving them healthy options and they'll figure it out because they're really clever. Oh, be honest with them because I feel that a lot of people that feed their kids animal products, and this is just assuming as well and just on things that I've heard, 
that they can tend to hide animal products even when their kids don't necessarily like them or want to eat them and they can hide them or they're not transparent about what the kids are actually eating. So I think that it's really important for us on the other side of things to be really honest about why we don't eat animals and it doesn't have to be a gruesome, gory conversation at this age, <laughs> but it it's as simple as like, well, a cow's milk is for baby cows, just like mummy's milk is for her babies. Like it's just, it's just being honest because they are really clever little things. They are. Or alternatively, like me, who's like a bull in a china shop when it comes to talking to my kids. No, I'm pretty gentle with them most of the time, but I'm just mentioning it because my son went to school and his friends ordered hot dogs. They were eating hot dogs in the lunch order and Iggy was eating sushi and the kids were talking about their hot dogs and how delicious they were. And my son said, you know, they're made out of pig's buttholes. (laughs) (laughs) And he came home and told me and I said, oh, baby, you're going to have no friends if you keep telling them their hot dogs are made out of pig's buttholes. I'm so sorry. Mummy told you that. (laughs) But you know what? It's still not the worst thing any kids ever said. So it's really fine. It's really fine. I know, but I was like, oh, my gosh, Iggy, out of the mouths of babes. I think it is that transparency, though, just to be honest. Like, we've got nothing to hide, so why would we? Yeah, exactly. And they deserve to know the truth. They deserve to Mm. know. I just think it does help them become compassionate. If you don't Mm. know, you don't know. I just did not know what was happening. I didn't know that they were grinding up the baby male chicks whenever mm-hmm. I wanted to eat an egg and that that was the consequence of me eating this egg was that these gorgeous baby chicks would be ground up alive. I, I had no idea. And if I had have known, I would have made a very different choice. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And it is just giving them that choice. And I do have people say to me, well, what will you do if your kids want to eat animal products when they're older? It's like, well, that's their choice. At least I know that I've done everything mm, I can. That's what I say. It's their karma. <laughs> it's their karma. That's it. So, I mean, <laughs> I really hope that they don't and I doubt that they will, but I also want them to know that this is what happens. This is where this comes from. So if you choose that, that's what you're choosing, not just we're doing this for health purposes because I chose to be unhealthy when I was a kid even though I knew what healthy food was. So I think they do need to know all aspects of what's well, going on. Well, there are victims, and I think that's the difference. When it's when it was just from me, when I was vegan just from me, just from my multiple sclerosis, like plant-based because I was eat, still eating egg white, but when I was doing it just from my MS, it was so easy to cheat because I didn't give a shit about myself at that time. I didn't love myself. I didn't care for myself. So who cares if I ate some egg or some chocolate or some cake or some chicken or pork, whatever? It was when once I was educated, and I think that this in all of the th- episodes of this podcast, the key is that the education it is empowering. People say ignorance is bliss, and in some in in sometimes I guess that's true. Like I'm still I'm glad that I believed in Santa Claus for a little while in my childhood. <laughs> it was magical. <laughs> but when it comes to animal abuse, like. When I once I learned about what happened to the animals, and then once I learned what happened to the environment as a result of the animal of animal agriculture, then it wasn't a choice about me. It didn't matter if I hated myself or it was the worst day of my, if I thought that I was disgusting that day or I was in a period of deep self-loathing. The animals were more important than my ego. Yeah, you know what I mean, the animals were more important than my feelings. They, their lives were more important. The planet, the future of the planet for my children was more important. And I think that when we educate our kids through that lens, like this isn't just about you. This is also about such a big picture of the suffering that every choice makes with the plastics as well, with the waste free, like our plastic going into the ocean, yeah, going into the waterways, all those things. Like it's just, once you educate, I think it does, it just, I think it's very unlikely that our kids are going to go back when you know what food does to our bodies, mm. when we know what it does to the animals, when we know what it does to the planet. It's pretty hard to go back. Like I couldn't. Sometimes I wish that I could undo it and not know this stuff and just blindly consume like everybody else. Yeah. But I also don't want to because if everyone keeps doing that, then we're going to get what we've got already. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do something different to get different results. That's exactly right. Absolutely. And so that just reminds me to mention again, if you're stuck in a rut, not in a rut, the wrong word, but <laughs> if 
Jen is an awesome life coach now. She has retrained. She's doing some great work for lots of women in our area that I know I know of who are really enjoying her live videos, her work, her meditations. She's doing such a wonderful job inspiring our local community, which is what your goal is, and she is doing that. I hear people all the time who have maybe only met Jen a few times, but they're just seeing her live feed since she's done her NLP training and They've been touched and they're talking to me. Who is Jen? Like, what's going on with her? What's happened? She had this big, big awakening and it is inspiring them and motivating them and they're wanting to connect with you because you are practicing what you preach. You're really radiating a new possibility for people, for women, as you say, who have been focused on our child rearing for so long and now you're shining a light saying, like, there's more than this. Child rearing is awesome and it's a gift and it's a privilege and it's an honour, but there's also more richness that we all deserve as well. And so thank you for shining that light in our community and being that that beacon for so many people. And so if you're feeling a bit like things are a bit Groundhog Day-ish in your life where you're just feeding the kids and going with the motions, perhaps Jen, I'll put all of her links, as I said, in the show notes is someone that you might want to reach out to to get her support in helping you to overhaul some of your thinking and find new ways of viewing your life and the possibilities, the endless possibilities that there are for you. Oh, golly, that's nice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're so welcome. I love you. Oh, I love you. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It was so great. It was wonderful to have you. Oh, it was so great for me too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on the show. And I have put links in the show notes for you to join Jen's Living Plant-Based and Zero Waste Facebook group where she shares incredible tips and tools for wanting to reduce your waste and also awesome recipes and ideas for raising vegan kids or just feeding a vegan family or all different kinds of tips about being vegan in that group as well. And she's just wonderful. And also how, where to, how you can work with her as a life coach. That's all in the show notes. And thank you all for listening and sharing this episode with your family and friends or people that you know online. Uh, it's a great episode if you know someone who's wanting to learn more about raising kids vegan and what Jen's doing to raise her kids vegan. Or if you just have a friend or family member who is curious about what that would be like. It's a great, Jen's you know, such a wealth of knowledge about it as well. And we have other episodes on Raising Kids Vegan. If you want to go back to, I think it's from 102 onwards, but I'll put some links to the other Raising Kids Vegan episodes with the likes of Mandy Van Zenen and Emily Sonzi and the lovely Divya Singh. We've also had Ash Nayati on the podcast as well talking about raising vegan kids so yeah check out all of those they're in the links are in the show notes and otherwise come and join me for my isolation cravings support program on starts on the 19th of may and the link to join pay what you can is in the show notes and i'd love to see some of you there in that group that would be awesome so join me there otherwise i will see you and your lovely ears (laughs) next week bye Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier 